You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy C. Jones, and I want to welcome you to the Leaders on Leadership podcast, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and we talk with leaders of all ages and stages about what it takes to pay the price of leadership. And today, I am so thrilled to introduce my guest. His name is Gregory Womack. Gregory, welcome. It's a delight to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. It's a blessing to be here. It is a blessing indeed. And I want to tell our listeners a little bit about how Gregory and I connected. So first of all, here's the bio that Gregory sent me. Gregory Womack is a man of God who leads his whole life, yet he did not accept his role as a leader until accepting Christ as Savior. I love it. So I'm going to tell you where Greg and I first met. Greg and I met behind bars. Okay. Those of you that know me, and you heard Lewis Lee on the podcast a few months ago. I met Greg at a book club, a monthly book club where we would read tremendous books about living life triumphantly abundantly. He was going through a leading inmates in faith and education program, which is biblically based leadership. And for the men that were going through this program, they got to go on as a reward and do this book club. So we have known each other probably six or seven years, and it's just been such a delight. And as you can see where Gregory's sitting now, some tremendous things have happened in his life since I first met him, and we're going to hear all about that. So, Greg, do you want to unpack a little bit about where you've been and how we met? So, yes, we met in SCI Mahanoy. At the time, I was serving a life sentence. And in Pennsylvania, a life sentence means you never come home from prison. You're supposed to die in prison. The unique thing about my sentence was I wasn't the person who committed the crime. I was someone who was convicted of being a part of the crime. And even though I was four blocks away, because I took any part in the crime, my conviction and punishment was as severe as the person who actually pulled the trigger and committed the crime. Mm. And, you know, sad to say someone lost their life in that. And I can never repay that family or think I think about it all the time. And I know the pain because I look at coming back home to my family and what they've been through without me. So I pray for them all the time. And I thank God for the second chance. As we met in the book club, for me, it was a reawakening of who God created me to be. You know, like I said, I've led my whole life, but leading in the streets and leading in the worldly aspects was totally different because I didn't understand why everybody couldn't see what I saw. I would look at a thing and I would see five, 10 steps ahead of what needs to be done or how to do a thing. And then when people couldn't understand what I was talking about, because I was talking about five or 10 steps ahead, I got frustrated and just went on my own and did whatever it was. And that eventually led me into trouble because I would get so frustrated that I wouldn't think things fully through. I would just go out and do them because I seen what needs to be done. And I didn't like talking about it. We know what we need to do. Let's go do it. But it wasn't until I came to prison and I began to see that that way of leading was wrong, that I didn't have all the answers. But I remembered there was somebody who does. And the Bible teaches us that you raise a child up in the way they should go. and When they are older, they will not depart. Mm. And it took me to go to prison. It took me to lose everything to go back to what I was raised in. And as a child, my family sent me to Bible school. My grandmother took me to church. So I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know who Jesus was. I just knew that Jesus saved and all the songs said it. You know, and I was says, because the Bible taught me so. 
And so one day I just had a, I cried out to him. I said, God, if you're real, speak to me. And I got an unction and an urging to go to church. And so I started going to church. And I, at this time, it was a conflict because in prison, I was a leader in my from my neighborhood and from Philadelphia in the prison on the worldly side of things. So people looked up to me for criminality, for violence, for different things. They looked, they came to me. And when I say they looked to me for violence, I usually quarreled the violence. And I didn't even know God was using me even in my worldly aspect because I didn't like violence. I didn't like trouble. And so when it came, I was able to talk to people and to get mutual understandings and things like that. And I always was different in that aspect because I never liked violence. I didn't like fighting. I didn't like any of that stuff. And then when I accepted Christ, that's when I learned why I didn't like it, because God never made me that way. He made me to be a peacemaker for blessed is the peacemaker. And that's what I was being used in. And as I accepted Christ, I started seeing that I was a leader. I started seeing that the leadership gifts, God says his gifts and talents are without repentance. And God gave me a gift as a child, like he told Jeremiah that, before I knitted you together in your mother's womb, I knew you. And what that verse teaches me is that God gives us everything we need before we come out the womb. You, and I was walking in, and we as people, we live in the gifts that God gives us, but it's not until we allow God to lead us and teach us how to utilize those gifts that we begin to walk in a godly fashion and maximize the talents and the gifts that God has given us. And for me, it was accepting and grasping the fact that I was a leader and then understanding that as a leader, you see things differently than other people. And I had to understand then that everybody's not going to see the way I see. Everybody's not born to be a leader like I am. And so when I did that, I began to accept people for who they were and who they are and put them in positions of success, put them in positions that they would excel and that they will reach their full potential. Because though they may not have been a leader, so to speak, in this one area, I wasn't better than them. They could teach me some things and I had to learn to humble myself and allow others to begin to teach me. And so as God began to teach me these things, I knew that I was in prison because I didn't understand the full grasp of everything. Mm -hmm. I was a great athlete in high school and I had college scholarships and I had different things that were afforded to me, but chasing after the world and the lust therein, caused me to lose all those things. And sitting in prison, like the things we're going to discuss, loneliness and weariness and abandonment, these things came to me and made me realize that I was a little bit different than everybody else. I saw the world different than everybody else. And the only stimulation I could get while in prison were in books. So I read the Bible. You know, I read the Bible front to back. I read it again. Every year I made it a point to read the whole Bible. And then I made it a point to begin to live the Bible and understand the Bible. And I had to understand it from God's perspective and not mine. Mm -hmm. So when the Bible talks about the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, I didn't understand. I knew Jesus said it, but I didn't understand it at the time. So as I began to try to live the Bible, I began to understand it, that, yes, I desire to live for God, but I was going to fail sometimes. So the mm -hmm. Bible says that all fail, all fall short all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And I had to realize that I was one of those all and accept that. And then it enabled me to love other people. And I started seeking knowledge. I wanted to be better. I wanted to become a better person. And your book club, that's how we came about. I started I reading and you offered that opportunity to keep growing and to look at things from other aspects. 
that's what I did and I chose. And it was one of the best decisions I made after accepting Christ. I know. In my life. I hear you, brother. What a time. And I just look back at that and I remember our discussions and you leading the men in there and just, just what a beautiful time and still is a phenomenal time as it's slowly opening back up. Greg, tell the listeners, how long were you behind bars? I did 29 years. Okay, just so in. people understand. Yeah. This didn't yeah, just happen and Greg popped out. No. <laughs> no 29 years. 29. Yes. Okay. Yes. So thank you. And that was a beautiful segue into the price of leadership. And there is a price. As you said, there's a price for worldly leadership. And it's an awful one because it's a trap. It looks so alluring. Mm-hmm. You guys taught me a thing or two about how that happens and how you wind back in behind bars. But We're talking about the price of real, authentic, Christian-based leadership. So my father did this speech many years ago, and he talks about the four things that you are going to have to be paying in order to truly be a leader and not a leader in name only. So Greg, the first one is loneliness. So could you unpack what loneliness means to you as a leader? I'm sure you felt it behind bars. I'm sure you feel it on the outside world. And just some words of advisement for our listeners, maybe if they're going through a season of loneliness. Loneliness as a leader is, I spoke on a piece of it before. It's looking at a situation and seeing every step of what needs to be done and realizing what needs to be done. But then looking around and realizing that nobody else can see those steps, that nobody else can has the vision that God has given to you as a leader. And then you have to go into the Bible. You have to remember what God said in Habakkuk, write the vision down so that those who read it can run with it. But as you're writing, you're looking for support. You're looking for energy. You're looking for help. But God has only given you that vision because God has placed you in that leadership. And that loneliness, man, it's a battle because you start feeling depressed. You start taking it on as if it's you in the world. Who was it? Samuel or I forget the prophet who said, God, I'm the only one left. Uh Uh-huh. They killed everybody else. I'm the only one left. You start feeling like that. You start feeling like, well, I'm the only one that sees, I'm the only one that's doing this. And I thank God that he always left a remnant. He always has somebody to call you, to encourage you, or you cut on the TV and you see something and you remember, how can you be the only one left when you have the almighty God with you? Mm -hmm. And so you keep persevering, you keep pushing on, you keep sharing and you start seeking wisdom And just like God did with Moses, he said, Moses, as you're building a temple, call this person because I've taught them what to do. I've given them the gift of how to build what needs to be built inside of the tabernacle. And so God will use you and show you the people that you need because he's already gifted them to help fulfill the vision that he's given to you. And in doing that, you understand and you better cope with the loneliness I can't say it leaves because the next task will become, you'll go through it again. It's a continued cycle. But as you begin to trust and rely on God more, you don't dwell in it as long. Yes. You know? Right. Well, even Christ said that, hey, I'm going someplace the rest of you can't go. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And But I love that you said that it is a cycle until we get to the other side, but we don't dwell on it. And you tend to get, as you grow spiritually, you move through it a lot quicker. I'm sure you've seen that in your development. So, Greg, that was a beautiful discussion on loneliness. Now, let's talk about weariness. Um, (laughs) I mean, how do you stay not just in good physical form, okay, because we talk about that, the prison and trying to eat well, trying to stay well, trying to sleep well, trying to keep your mind well, but how do you stay at top finding form when my dad would say just what you said, 
there's always going to be a few people that see and do more, but a lot of people are going to do less. And so you're going to end up having to pick up a lot more of the weight. How do you stay? How do you stay strong? For, for me, the first scripture, the first thing that I remember is that God forgave me and that God was patient with me. Mm. And as I'm walking this journey of faith and this journey of leadership, it is difficult. I started a business when I came home and it was a, a cleaning business, being and my wife, my fiance at the time. And we couldn't get any employees. And the ones that did come would get paid Friday and don't show up again till Wednesday yeah. and expect to get paid for Monday and Tuesday you know, for the week. And I'm like, man, and it became a drear a thing to go to work every day. It was a it was a struggle. Yeah. And I started becoming judgmental. And I started growing weary and was like, man, I'm done, you know. And then this thing of leadership, it gets like that because you want others to step in. You want people to do these things. And then you also want them to be right and live right for Christ because you're standing up in your profession, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but yet you're going to the bar, yet you're smoking weed, yet you're getting drunk, yet you're cheating on your wife, yet you're not married, but living in a house with one woman that you don't even plan to marry or a man that you don't plan to marry. And it's like, as a leader... I look at it and I'm like, well, how can I put you in leadership position? I don't want anybody to follow you because I wouldn't follow you. And that causes you to grow weary. That causes me to think like, okay, I don't, I'm about tired of this. Lord, just give me something I can do by myself. I don't need anybody else. You know? And that's when I remember that God was patient with me. Yeah. That he was merciful with me, that he was forgiving of me. And the Bible says, when you pray, forgive. If you expect your father to forgive you of anything. And so it's in that moment that I realized I don't have a heaven or hell to put anybody in and I can't judge someone and cause them not to walk in the path that God has laid for them, that God already knew they would walk in. And how do I know I'm not the light that may click in their hearts and their minds and make them say, I want to get right with God. And that's what helps me fight through that weariness of wanting to give up on people wanting to give up on vision that God has given me with people and to help people. And so that's the key for me to come out of weariness. That's my wife's coming in the house now. That's the key for me right there. I love it. That's beautiful. Boy, I love it. Wanted to give up on people. And boy, everybody out there listening would say that is the hardest thing is people that don't get it. But like you said, God is so patient with us. And you may be the one that makes it click in. So that was beautiful about staying strong. The next thing he talked about was abandonment. And abandonment isn't a fear of abandonment or abandoning your dog or cat. It was abandoning what you like and want to think about in favor of what you ought and need to think about. And I can remember when we would be in prison, thousands of men there, and what? 15, 20 maybe at the book club because people would rather think and do things that they want to do rather than it takes discipline Mm -hmm. to really focus on what you need to focus on. So Greg, how do you, now that you're back, or even inside with all the stuff going around, how do you purge out all the nonsense and stay very tightly focused on what you know you need to do, especially as the clock is going on 29 years? Yes. Amen. I think a, a blessing of the abandonment. Here's my wife. I'll let you, everybody meet her. How are you? How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm tremendous. It's so nice to meet you. Well, yeah. her name is uh, Kendra Womack. And dealing with abandonment in there, God has brought me somebody who won't abandon me. He's brought brought me someone for life. And the Bible says that the two shall leave their parents and become one. And so therefore, I'll never be abandoned again. Praise God. Amen. On the inside, 
dealing with abandonment was hurtful, but the sting of it left after 29 years because you got to think about it. After 29 years, how many people, how many times have I dealt with an abandonment of someone I cared about and walked by myself? And so the first one hurt and it lasts for maybe three months. The next one lasts for a month and a half. The next one, a couple of weeks. And then it became to the point where I started looking at relationships as they'll leave so. Mm-hmm. So I'm not giving my all. I'm not pouring my all in. And on the inside, what you said, it brought me back to something I physically did. I went outside in the yard and stood in the middle of the yard and just spun around in a circle. And I looked at thousands of men walking around or out there playing, doing whatever they were doing. And I was the only person standing where I was by myself. And I said, man, with all these people around, how could I still be lonely? How could I still be in this situation by myself? And I realized that we all were hurting and didn't know how to love. And so to deal with an abandonment issue, the scripture says that if you leave father, mother, sister, or brother for my namesake, I'll give you more. I'll bring people to you. And I realized that I was a son. And as a son, I had a father. And then I had brothers. And so I said, okay. The thing was Luther Vandross made a song. And all this was happening like at the same time. This is how good God is and how sovereign. And in the song, the song says, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. And I said, man, that makes so much sense. So if I can't be with my physical family and those who walked away from me, who I want to be here, let me love my brothers who are here. And as a leader, I began to develop different programs. We started having a Sunday prayer table every Sunday morning, rain, snow, sleet, or hell. If they let us outside, we went outside, we met and we prayed. I had I developed a Christian talent show, so to speak. We call it the Gospel Jamboree, where people who were in the church but not a part of the church, meaning they weren't on the choir, but they could sing, they could act, they could tell jokes, they could rap, they could dance. We had something for them. Then I developed a program called Christians Preparing for Release, CPR. And in that, What we did, we had workshops where we talked to men and we prepared them for release to come out into the world and to serve God out here because most men in prison never serve God on the outside. So we don't know what that feels like. And so I began to cultivate a family to deal with that abandonment. And I began to see that other men were dealing with it and loved it also. And that's how I dealt with it on the inside. And out here, it's different because now I have options. I know who loves God. I know who serves God. I still deal with the abandonment issue because as a believer, everybody's not going to accept your way of living. Mm -hmm. Everybody's not going to. In 29 years, I dreamed of coming home and getting my family back together, being a leader that leads everybody to Christ and they all just fall in line. And when I came home, that didn't happen. Family members were upset. You don't want to smoke weed? No, I don't want to smoke. You don't want to drink. No, I don't. Give me water. I'm okay with water. Oh, who you think? You know, and they started treating me bad and abandoned me in those issues. And I had to deal with that on the outside. Like, man, I waited all this time to come to help you. And God showed me like, Greg, you want to help somebody that never asked for help. And then you're upset that they're not taking it, even though they need the help. I know. Yes. You know, but they didn't ask and you can't force it on them. And so, 
I had to go back to the same. You can't be with the ones you love, love the ones you're with. And I surrounded myself with the body of believers and we have fun. We have game night once a month at different people's houses. We come together, we go on trips together, we go out to dinner and it's all believers. And the best thing about it is 95% of the people who participate are men that I was incarcerated with. And now we all come together with our families, our wives come, you know, and we just have fun like that. So that's how I deal with it out here. Well, you, I remember when we were in there and people would be coming up for release. The thing was always, if you leave your Bible in here, you're going to be back in to read it again. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so every time I go in there at the bookshop, I look at those Bibles and I'm like, I wonder whose hands touch this. I wonder if they're still following God, if they yeah. found a Bible on the outside. So for the listeners out there, this isn't just for getting out of print. This is a thing in life. A quarter of three strands is not easily broken. Uh, when yeah. you, that was the big thing we all talked about. The stuff you're learning in the books, this, you have to be with people. People will always let you down, but the covenantal relationships are Christ. And then your wife has a covenantal relationship. So you have to get with the people that you know are threaded with the love of God. And that draws you yes. all together. So what really stuck out and what you said was real leadership. We love well. We don't just do well and tell people, well, I know we can see what they need. That's up to the Holy Spirit to win them. All we can do is love them. And he already knew, like you said, he knew before even in the womb, he knows what's going to happen. Our job is just to love well, and the Holy Spirit does the rest. So, Greg, that was absolutely beautiful. So loneliness, weariness, abandonment, and then vision. What is your vision? I know you had a vision for one day when you get out, and now you're out, and God is blessing you abundantly. But the best is yet to come, and we want to finish the race strong. So how do you continue to craft your vision for Gregory Womack in this next season of life that God has given you? The first thing I had to learn about vision and coming home was humility. And I say that because, as I spoke earlier about 29 years of a vision, was my vision of coming home and helping and leading my family to Christ and ministering and doing all these things. But God had given me a vision of having my family in a church and praying with me and in tears. And I'm going to get a little emotional because I think within four months of coming home, the vision was fulfilled. But I didn't know it would be me ministering at my uncle's funeral. And my father was there. My, mo my mother didn't come. My aunts, my family, everyone was there. And they got to see me minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was a blessed and a powerful moment in my life. But I just, like I said, I didn't think it would be at a funeral. But that's God. And that's what God gives me. That's why I say humility, because I thought I would be up in the pulpit somewhere and sharing the gospel in the church and on Sunday. But the humility is like the way God will have it done is how God has always prepared it to be done. So in twisting that vision, I said, OK, God, you see things different. He says, my ways are not your ways, nor are my thoughts your thoughts. Just as high as the sky is from the ground, so are my thoughts from yours. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want? So I had a vision to come home and to, to drive trucks. I had a vision to come home and to do these things. And God is like, okay, not now, not now. All right, so I asked, what's the vision he has for me? So he gave it to me about a month ago when I was calling you to talk about it. And it's understanding technology, understanding how to use the platform that we're on right now, social media and different things to honor God. And he showed it to me through like the young people, how they can just type three words or four words and have hundreds of people meet up at one spot because somebody and God said, utilize that. Because if you're still trying to teach 
and minister the way they did in the 80s, the way they did in the 90s, that's not going to work because the culture has moved past that. And so in order to reach the people, you have to be other people. You said be ye in the world, but not of the world. So if I'm in the world and the world is using technology, then I have to advance to use technology. So my vision is beginning to get ministry onto some of these platforms, social media and different things that I can reach people going into juvenile facilities or schools and beginning to talk to the children. And God has blessed me to do some of those things. I'm a referee and I'm able to teach kids. But the thing that I have to grab hold of is the culture of today where at certain places, they don't want you outright to say Jesus. And God says to be as wise as a serpent, but as harmless as a dove. So I'm asking them how to use Jesus, how to keep Jesus in everything. And one thing he gave me through my grandmother was this here, which is uh, my cross. And I went the wrong way. There we go. And my grandmother gave it to me. And I use that and I wear it. So when I'm talking about God, I'll just grab hold of it and go like this and share and let people know this is what I'm talking about. My Lord, my Savior, this is what I'm talking about. And I'll say Jesus and get it in and get it to a point where I'm not offensive which is impossible because just talking about Jesus, some people will be offended. Right. And I understand that. And I understand if I'm not allowed back, then that's not what God had for me. Absolutely. That my vision is to begin to reach millions of people, man, because I do have a story. I do have a word and God raised me on both sides of the track from Philadelphia and was raised in Norristown. So I can hold a conversation with different levels of society and, be effective and communicative in both in all the areas and be receptive and be received by those people. So I'm excited. I am truly excited with this meeting here with you, this blessing, this vision being fulfilled that I had of working with you or just doing something because you are truly appreciated for taking time out of your life and your schedule to come inside and to help someone like me feel like a human being. Someone like me feel like, well, somebody does care. You care enough to come in and give us free books. Someone taught me that every blessing is not what the person asks for. Sometimes it's what the person needs. And when people, the old proverb says, you know, you teach a person, you feed a fish, you teach them to fish, they'll eat the rest of their life. And you coming in, giving me the tools and helping me learn how to fish, learn how to feed myself. Because coming out here now, I had to read after 29 years. I know it'll be hard for people to imagine how much the world has changed. And I say it's hard because they live through it. But you have to think about being taken out of the world. Right. In 1993, I was taken out of the world. So it stopped right there. I didn't have any growth. I didn't see the Internet. When I left, cell phones were just fitting in your hand. And only a certain amount of people could afford them, doctors and lawyers. And that was it. And then to come home and to see five-year-olds have cell phones and know how to use them. Mm -hmm. And then you can do everything on it. And so these are things that I had to read. I had to take the time to sit down and read how to do this, learn how to work Google. I was scared to talk to the phone for four months. you know. So I had to read and, and other things that I'm learning. And these are tools that you taught me how to digest a book, how to read with comprehension and understand what you're reading and to eat the meat and spit out the bones of it. 
And I'm thankful for that. And so part of my vision now is not just to utilize the gifts that God has blessed me through people like you, but to pass them on to the next generation and help them to see their worth. Because part of the abandonment, part of the loneliness was me looking in the mirror and understanding who I was as a man of God, as a child of God, as an ambassador for God, as a peculiar person and accepting that. And not only accepting it, but being excited that I was. And now I'm going to teach that to the next generation. You don't have to be like everybody else. You don't have to do what everybody else does. Be yourself. Be an individual. Stand out from other people for one reason or another. Not that you're drawing attention to yourself because you want to be flamboyant or noticed, but just because you're unique. Just because God didn't make you like someone else. Someone once told me, if God wanted you to be like them, then your guys will have the same name. You got a different name for a reason. You have different fingerprints for a reason because God made you an individual. And that's what I want to teach the next generation. So that's a part of my vision and fulfilling it will be through this, starting a podcast, through traveling, through doing speeches or just encouraging children, you know? And so however God leads me, I'm willing to accept it. And that's where the humility came in that I have to realize it's not my vision, is the vision that God has for me and the purpose that God has for me that I'll be walking out. And in doing that, I have to be accepting of what God says. When he says, go, go, just like he did the children of Israel, stay, they stay, turn, they turn. And that's how I have to be. And that's where I'm at right now, just trusting God and allowing him to lead. Yes. Every time I just sit here and think about where we were, and those were beautiful times there. You talk about how I blessed you. You guys blessed me. You know I was with you during a stage in my life where there was some awful things going on. And yeah. it was my respite going in there. You guys spoke truth into me when I was getting in my own negativity. I had to go back to you guys to really get uh, reoriented to Christ. And so the feeling was so mutual, brother. I know you think I bless you, but I think I got 20 times the blessing getting to pour in and have you guys pour into me. And Greg, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you? I know you said you talk about schools, talk to schools and, and are available to share your testimony. And we'll be sharing with people when you get your podcast together. But what's the best way for people to connect with you? The best way to connect with me would be through email. And my email, it's my whole name, Gregory Womack, G-R-E-G-O-R-Y-W-O-M-A-C-K 22 at gmail.com. And that would be the best way to reach me. Send me an email. I check them every day. So I'll get right back to you if anyone wants or wants to speak further with me or invite me somewhere to speak. I have no problem. And if it's about the kingdom, I'm about the business. It's kingdom business. Let's go. I'm all for the Lord, you know. So exciting. Well, Greg, I just want to thank you again for the reconnection, for being such an important part of my life, and for the wisdom that you shared with our listeners. Yours is truly a peculiar but unbelievably anointed perspective. And just listening to you, brother, it just takes me back to our time in there, and I can just see how God has continued to bless you mightily. And I know your words will truly bless all the listeners on today. So thank you, Gregory. Amen. Thank you, Sister Tracy, for everything, Dr. Tracy Jones. I want to say thank you. And I truly appreciate you, you know, and like I said, the perspective you gave during those hours that you came, you didn't realize it, but it allowed me to jump over the fence. During those hours, I wasn't in prison. I was a human being. And I was living and learning as a human is supposed to. And it encouraged me to keep going. So I say thank you to you. 
And I continue to pray for you and your marriage and your business that God will bless and multiply and continue to use you in a mighty way. Thank you for everything. God bless you. Thank you, Gregory. And we have to give a shout out to Marcia and Ed Sinkovitz who started the whole ministry. Yes, yes, Because if it weren't for them, it's all about connections, the people you meet, and then the books you read. So to Marcia and Ed, I'll put their the life ministry in there. People interested for anybody out there contemplating getting involved in apprentice ministry, there's nothing like it. So run, don't walk to your nearest person and make a difference in people's lives. And Greg, boy, you really had me at the end there talking about getting blessing my heart, brother. Boy, I can go out and I can go out and move mountains again. So thank you for your words of encouragement to our listeners out there. I want to thank you so much for listening, for being part of our tremendous tribe, for paying the price of leadership. And if you like what you heard, please be sure and hit the subscribe button. If you would do us the honor of a review, that's so important. That helps other people find what we are putting out there that may need some wisdom and some encouragement in paying the price of leadership and absolutely share with other people because what Greg shared, boy, the whole world needs to hear that. So we just thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for paying the price of leadership. And remember, you will be the same person five years from now that you are today, except for two things, the people you meet and the books you read. So make them both tremendous. Have a tremendous rest of the day. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.